Okay, Bismillah, the eleven of the Magi names of Allah, Ramadan Sulayid. Bismillah, Rabbi Shahli Sadri, Wayasirli Amri, Asma Allah al Husna, the most beautiful names of Allah. So, what's the intention behind this room? It's because Allah states in the Quran, Walillahi al Asma ul Husna, Fadruhu biha. And to Allah belong the best names, so invoke Him by them. Allah, Surah Al Araf, verse 180. And then there's also the hadith that mentions that the Prophet وسلم, said that Allah has 99 names. Whoever memorizes and embraces these qualities will enter heaven. So today we're going to look at four more names of Allah. They are Al-Jaleel, Al-Kareem, Al-Raqib, and Al-Mujib. So Al-Jaleel, the majestic, the one who is above anyone and anything. He is majestic in everything. Al-Jaleel comes from the root Jim Lam. Which can mean to be the greatest, to be majestic, to be high. So we have this verse in the Quran. And there will remain the face of your Lord, owner of majesty and honor. Surah Ar-Rahman, verse 27. And so here this verse is talking about how on the day of judgment, everything is going to come to a standstill. Death will be knocking on everyone's door and only Allah the majestic his face, the Allah is the one who's going to remain, just him, no one else, just Allah. And then we have this other verse, and when Moses arrived at our appointed time and his Lord spoke to him, he said, My Lord, show me yourself that I may look at you. Allah said, You will not see me, but look at the mountain. If it should remain in place, then you will see me. But when his Lord appeared to the mountain, he rendered it level. And Moses fell unconscious, and when he awoke, he said, Exalted are you, I have repented to you, and I am the first of the believers. Surah Al-A'raf, verse 143. So this verse, subhanAllah, if we look at it, it's just confirming how majestic Allah is, because Moses simply asked from Allah to see him. He wanted, Moses wanted to see Allah. Who doesn't want to see Allah's face? And Allah replied by saying, You're not going to see me. Sorry, you shall not see me. But if you look at the mountain, look at the mountain, and if it's gonna stay, if it stays still, then you can see me. You shall see me. So when uh, what happens when Allah reveals Himself to the mountains? The mountain, which is such a strong and firm, firm force of nature, it was knocked down from seeing the majestic beauty of Allah. And this just shows how majestic Allah is. How He is Al Jalil. He is above anyone and everything. And then I'll read from Imam al-Ghazali about this name. Al-Jaleel. Al-Jaleel, the majestic, is the one qualified by the attributes of majesty. Now the attributes of majesty are might, dominion, sanctification, knowledge, wealth, power, and other attributes we have mentioned. So the absolutely majestic is none other than God, great and glorious. So for the absolute and truly beautiful one is God alone. May he be praised and exalted since all the beauty, perfection, splendor, and attractiveness in the world 
comes from the light of his essence and the traces of his attributes. There is no existing thing in the world except him which has absolute perfection with no competitor, be it actual or potential. For that reason, the one who knows him or contemplates his beauty experiences such delight, happiness, pleasure, and joy that he disdains the delight of paradise as well as the beauty of sensible forms. Indeed, there is no comparison between the beauty of external forms and the beauty of inferior meaning apprehended by intellectual perception. So once it's established that he is beautiful and majestic, then every beautiful thing will be loved and desired by whomsoever perceives its beauty. For that reason, is God great and glorious, loved by those who know him, as external beauty forms are loved by those who see, not by those who are blind. And so the majestic and beautiful among men is the one whose interior attributes are attractive so as to give pleasure to discerning hearts. Exterior beauty is of lesser worth. So this is, Imam al-Ghazali is just basically saying that don't judge a book by its cover. So someone might not look as pretty as you perceive them, but their, their inside, their heart, it's so pure, it's so beautiful that they are just amazing personality-wise. And Allah is the most beautiful. There is no competitor for him. He is Al-Jalil, the Majestic. So now for our second name of today, Al-Kareem, the Generous. He is the most generous of all. He continuously and constantly gives the blessings to his creation. Al-Kareem comes from the root Kaframi, and it can mean to be generous or to be highly esteemed. We have this verse, Ya ayyuhal insanu ma gharraka bi rabbika al-kareem. O mankind, what has deceived you concerning your Lord the Generous? Surah Al-Intibar, verse 6. Another verse is, Iqra' wa rabbuk al-akram. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. Surah Al-Alaq, verse 3. And so we also have this hadith where the Prophet said, The generous one is close to Allah, close to people, far from the fire. A stingy person is far from Allah, far from people, far from paradise. And the generous, ignorant person is more beloved to Allah than a stingy worshiper. So if we like reflect on this hadith, like the generous, ignorant person is more beloved to Allah than a stingy worshiper. So you can be worshiping, but you're stingy. So you don't, you don't give zakat, you don't donate, you don't give a smile, which is sunnah, which is just showing how generous you are. You don't donate clothes, you don't feed the homeless, you don't do any of these things. You are worshiping. You'll pray, you'll fast, you'll do all these things, but you're stingy. You don't give from what Allah has blessed you with. And so that is why this hadith is saying that the generous, ignorant person is more beloved to Allah than a stingy worshiper. Because the one who's generous is close to Allah, close to the people, and far from the fire. We have another hadith where when a slave stands and prays, all his sins are brought and placed on his head and shoulders. Every time he bows or prostrates, some of them fall from him. So this shows you how kareem our Lord is, how generous he is. Literally, imagine yourself now, it's almost Maghrib here where I am. So inshallah, when I stand to pray, literally, you can, whenever any one of you go to pray, imagine all the sins that you've accumulated just on your shoulders and head. And when you say Allahu Akbar, and when you bow down first, some of those sins will fall off your shoulders. And then when you prostrate and put your head onto the floor, more of those sins are falling down. And we literally pray, pray five times a day. So imagine like how generous is Allah that literally all our sins are just being wept away, swept away from just praying. And we pray five times a day. This just shows how kareem, how generous our Lord is. 
So now I'm going to read from Imam al-Ghazali about al-Kareem. Al-Kareem, the generous, is one who forgives if he has the power, follows through when he promises, and exceeds the limit to when, could, when one could hope for when he gives. Nor is he concerned how much he gives or to whom he gives. If a need is brought before someone else, he is unhappy. If he is treated badly, he reproves but does not pursue it. Whoever seeks refuge and support with him is not lost, and one may, may dispense with entities and mediators. Now the one who unites all this in himself without affection is the absolutely generous one, and that belongs to God alone. May he be praised and exalted. So Al-Karim, Al-Generous, he's the one who gives, and he doesn't care who he gives it to, or how he gives it to, or how much he gives it to anyone. Like, he is just literally giving, giving, giving. He is Al-Kareem, the generous. Then we have the third name for today, Al-Raqib. So Al-Raqib, the all-observant, the watchful. He's the one who watches over his creation. He, he hears, he sees, and he knows everything. Al-Raqib is watching you doing whatever, whenever, and wherever you are. And this name, Al-Raqib, comes from the root ra qaf ba And it can mean to observe, to take care in protecting, or to hold in consideration. So we have this verse Not lawful to you, O Muhammad, are any additional women after this, nor is it for you to exchange them for other wives, even if their beauty were to please you, except what your right hand possesses. And ever is Allah over all things an observer. Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 52. Another verse is, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ تَقُوا رَبَّكُمُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا So there's the word again, رَقِيب, الرَقِيب. O mankind, fear your Lord who created you from one soul and created from it its mate and dispersed from both of them many men and women. And fear Allah through whom you ask one another and the wombs. Indeed, Allah is ever over you an observer. Surah An-Nisa, verse 1. And another verse is, Alam ya'lam Allah yara? Does he not know that Allah sees? Surah Al-Alaq, verse 14. So again, these verses are just reminding us that Allah is al-Raqib, He is the observer, He sees everything. We also have this hadith where Umar ibn al-Khattab he found a shepherd and there was this boy who was there with the sheep. And so Umar, Umar ibn al-Khattab asked this boy if he would sell him a sheep. And the boy replied that it's not mine, it's not his. And so Umar ibn al-Khattab, he made an offer to this boy to see how he would react. And the boy replied, um, if, uh, if you, or ma oh no, and Umar ibn al-Khattab said, if your master asks you, tell him that this sheep was eaten by a wolf. And so the boy looks at Umar ibn al-Khattab and he's like, uh, what would I say to Allah? And then Umar cries and cried out and he was like, oh, by Allah, you are right. What would you say to him? So subhanAllah, sometimes we do things or we, our friends are like, come on, come over or let's do this. No one's watching. Your parents won't know. Uh, no one will know. But actually, we need to be reminded that we have Ar-Raqib, the observer, Allah, who is watching over us wherever we are, whenever, whatever we're doing. He is the watchful and he is the observer.
So now from Imam al-Ghazali, al-Raqib, the all-observant, is one who knows and protects for whoever cares for some, something to the point of never forgetting it and observes it with a constant and persistent gaze. He knows that God the Most High observes him and sees him in every situation, as well as knowing that his own soul is an enemy to him, and that Satan is his enemy, and that both of them take the opportunity to prompt him to forgetfulness and disobedience. So he becomes wary with regard to both of them by noticing their abode, their deceptions, and the occasions of their eruption, so that he can block both of them from using the entrances and the exits to his heart. That is his watchfulness. So here Imam al-Ghazali is just saying how we as humans can be, can take some part of al-Raqib, the observer, and put it into our own attributes and our own personality. So we have our soul that we're fighting with, our nafs, and we've also got al-Shaytan, the devil, to fight with. And it's just, we need to be more watchful of our actions to be able to be mindful and just do better. And the last thing for today is al-Mujib, the answer of prayers, the responsive one. He's the one who answers prayers and requests from those who call upon him. And this name, Al-Mujib, comes from the root Jim Wauba, and it can mean to respond, to answer, or to have a dialogue. And so we have this verse, وَإِلَى ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ صَالِحًا قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَاهٍ غَيْرُهُ هُوَ أَنْشَأُكُمْ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ وَاسْتَعْمَرَكُمْ فِيهَا فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ and to Thamud, we sent their brother Saleh. He says, O oh my people, worship Allah. You have no deity other than him. He has produced you from the earth and settled you in it. So ask forgiveness for him and then repent to him. Indeed, my Lord is near and responsive. Surah Hud 61. So here, it's just, this was a story with Thamud and Saleh, but it's all, it can also be applied to us that whenever we sin, we can ask Allah for forgiveness and repent to him because Indeed, my Lord is near and responsive. We have another verse. And when my servants ask you, O Muhammad, concerning me, indeed, I am near. I respond to the invocation of the supplicant when he calls upon me. So let them respond to me by obedience and believe in me that they may be rightly guided. Uh, Baqarah verse 186. I'm sure many of you know that are familiar with this verse and it's just reminding us that Allah is always near. We can just call upon him and he is always there. He will respond in whatever way he sees fit. We just need to believe in him to be rightly guided and just believe that he has what's the best interest in our hearts for us. And then there's also this uh, ver these two verses where um, it was mentioned where like, when you feel hurt by other people, you can, there's this verse, And you will remember what I now say to you, and I entrust my affair to Allah. Indeed, Allah is seeing on his servant. And so the response is, so Allah protected him from the evils they plotted and the people of Pharaoh were enveloped by the worst of punishment. So these two verses actually pertain to Musa, but it can also just show you how like we can put our trust in Allah and because he is the observer, he can see us and that he will protect him just like how he protected Musa from the Pharaoh and the 
and the splitting of the sea and those sort of examples we have in the Quran. So now to read from Imam al-Ghazali. Al-Mujib, the answer of prayers, is the one who responds to the requests of those who ask by assisting them, to call of those who call upon him by answering them, and responds to the plight of the poor with all they need. In fact, he blesses before their request and grants favors before the entreaty. But God belongs to God alone, great and exalted. For he knows the needs of the needy before they even ask. Indeed, he already knew them in eternity. So he arranged the sources sufficient to their needs by creating food and nourishment and by facilitating both the causes and the means of fulfilling all these needs. Man needs to be responsive, first of all, to his Lord and whatever he commands or forbids him to do. And whatever he and whatever he assigns to him and summons him to do. Okay, and that's the four names for today. Let's see, my laptop has frozen. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, I'll just end it with I had some nice hadith to say. Just give me two seconds. I'll see if I can get my laptop to respond again. So we have the verse So this verse is actually emphasizing how much Allah insists that we call upon him and he actually likes it when he, we call upon him so it's actually we need to call upon him because that's what Allah likes. He's mentioned that in the verse. We have, oh, I didn't say the translation. So it's, and your Lord says, call upon me and I will respond to you. Indeed, those who disdain my worship will enter hell rendered contemptible. Verse 60. So we have this saying by Ibn Hajar, where, he stay, where it was stated that, Every single person that makes du'a will be responded to, but the actual responses are different. So sometimes the exact matter that was prayed for is given, and sometimes something equivalent to it is given. And also there's this hadith where Aisha radiallahu anha relates that the Prophet وسلم, said that three things happen when to our du'as, when we make du'as. They're either responded to, deferred, or they're prevent, they prevent something bad from happening. So don't ever stop asking because Allah will either send you, send upon you his reign of mercy or save you that dua for paradise, inshallah. And so this is just reminding us that sometimes we pray for things, yeah, and we're like, when is my prayer going to be answered? And we just keep praying and praying. And then sometimes we lose patience and we stop. But no, actually, we should continue to pray and pray and pray and have patience and know that. Allah is going to answer that du'a, but it might not be in the way that we we have envisioned. Because we are human, we don't know what's best for us. Allah is the one who knows what's best for us. And so these two, has, these two the hadith and the saying is just reminding us that our du'as are answered, but they might not be answered in the way that we expect them to. So we shouldn't lose hope, we shouldn't lose faith, we should just put all our trust in Allah. So I'm going to end with a du'a. And I ask that Allah accepts this du'a from us with using some of the beautiful names we've learned from him today about him today. Ya Jalil, you are the majestic. So remind us to always glorify you and to seek nearness to you. Ya Kareem, 
You are the generous. Guide us to be generous towards others and help us to always be thankful towards the favors you have bestowed upon us. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam. Tabarakta wa ta'alayta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Lord, you are the peace and the source of peace. Glory to you. You are the one with all the greatness and honor. Ya Raqib, you are the watchful. You watch over us wherever you are, wherever we are. Help us to be watchful over ourselves and to be able to continue to worship you even without seeing you, even when we know we can't see you. Ya Allah, ya Mujib al-Da'wat. Oh Allah, you, are the, you answer all our prayers. So please answer our prayers if they are beneficial for us and if they bring us closer to you.